Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. All right. Woo! Man, you guys sound good this morning. We got you all fired up. Now you got to be seated. <laughs> We'll get, we'll get fired back up here, here shortly. I, I, I love that song. Every time we do that song, because I just think about, I think about stories that are around this room and, and just stories we've heard on this stage via video. I mean, there's, every one of us has a testimony. I love that. And um, so we're, we're going to continue celebrating throughout today. It's going to be an amazing time. We're going to conclude this seven-week series we've been in called Villains. But before we get to our final villain of this series, I want to share a little bit of vision with you. And by the way, if you're in the room, if you're new, if you're watching online and this is your first time tuning in, uh, my name is Anthony. I'm the lead pastor here at Revolution. And I'm, I'm going to just share a little bit about kind of where we're headed. And uh, just as a church, and I hope that you notice the passion and how I say this. My, my, the volume of my voice might get a little loud at times because I am just so pumped about all that God's doing within Revolution and what's getting ready to come. And so uh, first thing, I, I got three things. First thing is going to take a little bit of time. Uh, you, you've been hearing about the, uh, next Sunday is a very special Sunday. Uh, we're calling it, hey, we're calling it FX, and, and it's just, here's the, here's the logo. It's just like the uh, Fox TV channel. And I, I think the best way to describe FX, if you are a revolutionary, if you've been around here a little bit, the best way to describe it is this is going to be like a family fifth Sunday, but there's going to be a spin on it. Because everything is going to be pre-recorded and it's going to broadcast next week at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 7 p.m., November 8th on Facebook and YouTube on the platforms that we've been broadcasting on. And, and I don't know if you're aware of this yet, and you'll see this more today, uh, our staff team has some incredible vig- videographers, some, some, very, some great skill in that area. So this is going to be on full display next weekend as well. So, so that's what's happening. We're broadcasting this. It's going to be pre-recorded. We're going to broadcast it next week. Now, our hope, our very passionate hope, like if I, could, if I could force you to take a next step and not be arrested for this, I, this is my hope, and in which I will not force you to do this, but it, my hope is that you will not just wake up next Sunday in your PJ, sipping coffee, and watch this by yourself. Our hope is that, I mean, one step you could take is just get the family together, get some of your family members, just some friends together to watch it with you. Second thing, another step you could take is joining one of our 15 or more off-site watch parties that are going to happen next Sunday off campus. And I'll explain that more in just a second. But we, we, we've been talking about how we want to try some new things in this season. Because, you know, why not? We're in this crazy season together. Let's try some new things. This is one of those new things. We're, we're calling it watch parties. We could call it house churches, micro churches, scattered gatherings. There's all kinds of language we could give to it. We're, we're simply calling it watch parties for now. And, and so there's so much in the New Testament that talks about gathering in homes as the church. 
Like the, the New Testament church, the book of Acts, the story of the church, it t- time and time again, it talks about gather, like the mission of the church gathering in homes and how God can use it. Actually, the church started, like it launched, the movement of the church launched, not in a cathedral, not in a big auditorium like this, it, it launched with this move of the Holy Spirit. Let me just show you. In Acts chapter two, it says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So the movement of the church started with a move of the Holy Spirit in a house. Move down to the end of that chapter, there's some, some explanation of what the church was doing. Right at the very beginning, it says they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity. So there were these large gatherings in the temple, aka church campus, and then there were these smaller gatherings of people in homes. So there was a macro strategy, this you know, large gathering, and there micro strategy of homes. So let's, let's move forward. A couple other places, again, you see this all throughout Acts. 542, it says, every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. And then Acts 2020, Acts 20, 20, here we go, if this is relevant. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. And listen, so I I am so thankful for this incredible space right here, where if you're live in person right now in the room, hundreds of us are gathered, and, and every single week, the family gets together, we're always expecting guests. And so if you're a guest with us, welcome. If you're watching online as a guest, we hope that you'll take some steps, become part of this amazing family called Revolution. But I really believe, like I I have a conviction about this, that this crazy time in our world where large gatherings are encouraged to limit and there's, there's talk about how we need to be cautious when it comes to large indoor gatherings and we're trying to be cautious here at the Revolution campus, but I do not see these restrictions or precautions as persecution of the church. It's an opportunity for the church to live out more of the grassroots strategies that it started with in the New Testament. This this is just how I live my life. This is how we do ministry at Revolution. We choose to see obstacles as opportunities. Every single time. Every obstacle is an opportunity. And I don't want to miss some of the new things God might be doing. Some of the new opportunities he has for the church by fighting the obstacles rather than getting innovative and trying new things. So we're trying some new things. Next week, the FX event is another new thing that we're trying as the church. And please hear me, okay? You gotta get this, because I wanna be really clear, this is change, right? It's change. Change is always hard. This year's had a lot of that, hasn't it? So I'm just pleading that you will catch the vision of this, and let's just try this together. I, I wanna be so clear, this does not mean we're moving to a strictly house church model where we're not gathering in this building. The first century church did both, okay? And as long as we can, this building is gonna be open. We'll do everything we can to keep people safe and feeling welcome, safe and feeling welcome. That's, all, that's a tension to manage right now. That's not a problem to solve. And this is my absolute favorite way to gather. You can probably tell. I get energy from this. I love to come together as a church in this way. I love to sing songs like we just did and just proclaim the truth and know there's other people going in the direction, like we're in this together. But I'm also open to what God might do as we try some new things. So every couple of months, maybe once a quarter, we're gonna push the message of Jesus outside the walls of the campus and encourage gatherings in homes. 
And I, I, like, if we will catch this vision, I truly believe, I truly believe these might be the most evangelistic opportunities of the entire year for revolution. If we catch this and we, we say, we're gonna set up a watch party at our house or we're gonna invite a family we know that's not connected with church to join us for a watch party, it's so much easier to invite someone to a house than it is to a church building. So maybe this is a way to reach out to family that's not connected with church, to friends not connected with church. So use next Sunday, use these Sundays as opportunities to invite. And so real quick, again, here's how it's working. Like I said, we have roughly 15 or so off-site watch parties right now that are committed to gathering next weekend. Uh, as of tomorrow night, Monday night, it's going to go live on our website, revolutioncc.org. You'll be able to click, you'll see the tab, you'll be able to click on watch parties and see all the watch parties happening, and you might choose one that's in close proximity to your house. You might say, hey, this is the first time I've heard about this, I would be willing to do that. Get with us, text connect to that number so we can connect with you and, and know where your watch party is. Do not just show up at a watch party just because you see it on the website. Text that person or call them and say, hey, you still have room in the watch party? And, and it's just going to be an awesome time together. There's, there are also going to be two watch parties here at the campus at 9 and 11 a.m. for those that would like to come here. There's some interactive things that are happening within it. It's just going to be an amazing, amazing Sunday of, of reaching out. And it, so I, I hope you get pumped and, and join us in this mission as we just try this new thing together. Sound good? All right. So here's the second thing. These other two will be much quicker. I just want to say thanks. And let me, let me just look, I think that camera's live. Let me look right into this camera and everybody online watching, thank you so much. Um, this, this year, and we're gonna talk about it later, there's been such a level of uncertainty with this year and, and economy and jobs and, and all kinds of stuff that's uncertain this year, but Revolution Church has remained so faithful in, in your generosity. And um, if you stay connected with the info card, we, we're transparent with our monthly budget, our annual budget, and what it takes to operate. And two weeks ago, if you would have looked, it, it looked like there was no way we were going to meet budget in October. And then last weekend happened, and everybody just stepped up to the occasion, and we just fell a few hundred dollars short of meeting budget for October, and we're almost caught up to pace for our annual budget as well. So I just want to say thank you so much for being part of Revolution in this way. We, we can't function unless we're 3C disciples living out this mission together. So just want to challenge you, like if you've been thinking about taking that step of generosity, we are so much better if we're doing this together, especially right now, we're in this together. So that's the second thing. Thank you. And then the last thing, so next Sunday is FX Sunday. Two weeks from today, we're going to do a two-week series. We're starting a two-week series called Unshaken. And the concept of this series is we're going to read the books of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians together. It's two letters that were written to a church in a, in a very uncertain, difficult time. There's lots of things going on in this time period and, and re that related to this church, but the level of faith, th their faith was unshaken. It actually grew in the midst of uncertainty. So we're gonna be challenged by this first century church in this way. So that's where we're gonna be in two weeks and we'll be back live and we'll be online in two weeks. So that's where we're headed. Let's, let's pray about all that and then let's get ready to dive into the final week. So God... As we get ready to watch this bumper one more time to lead us into the final villain, guide our time together. I, I just pray for these ideas, these changes, these innovations that we're bringing forward to our church, that uh, we would just be open to what you might do. That uh, as we try these new things, that people would be reached, that lives would be changed, that disciples would be made, because we're, we're just, we're living out that first century strategy of the church. Uh, guide next week, 
guide to the Unshaken series we're leading towards. Bless the finances, bless the generosity of everyone coming together. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So let's get ready to start the final week. We had to see that video one more time. I love it. So uh, we, we've talked about a lot of bad guys and gals over the last six weeks. And um, not any in the video, but a lot of bad guys and gals throughout the pages of the Bible. And we've learned from people that got it wrong, so hopefully we can get it right. But we have not yet looked at or talked about the most villainous of all villains in the Bible. And it's the day after Halloween. So we are gonna end this series by talking about the ultimate villain in the pages of the Bible. And let me just ask, for those that are in the room for a response, kids, feel free to respond to this. Even if you're not a Christ follower, not sure about faith yet, you probably know. Who would you consider the, to be the most villainous of all villains in the entire Bible? Just yell it out if you know it, just yell it out. Satan, the devil, I heard the devil too. Yes, that's exactly who we're gonna talk about, Satan. And I went with the Halloween costume version because, I, and I know this is probably not what Satan actually looks like, but here's the, and this is what's funny, I send out the notes to the talk and the pictures and stuff to several different people that get things ready for the screens and broadcast, and Chris Brown, Brownie, our broadcast uh, team leader, he sent back an email as he saw this picture, he's like, I wish this is what Satan looked like, I could beat him up. But, um, and that's, yes, but, but next to our God, this is what Satan looks like, right here. He is a fraud, he's a phony, he's a fake, He's a liar. And by the way, something I love to tell Satan, like when he's poking at me, when, when he's using my insecurities against me, when he's lying to me, I just like to go, Satan, go to hell. It is okay to say that to Satan. He's the only one we ever say that to. And you will never forget this talk now, kids, because of that statement. It is perfectly fine to tell Satan to go to hell. Just try it later. It feels good. But, um, but there's so much. Sorry, parents, you might have to talk about that later. There's so much. There's so much we could talk about when it comes to this villain. Because unlike all the other stories we've looked at, uh, th there's like a section of the Bible where it tells the story. Satan is like very beginning to very end of the Bible. Bible. There's so much we could kind of uncover or talk about. So what I want to do is just focus in on one story where we see Satan show up to tempt Jesus. And we're going to flip it this week. We've been learning from the villain, the, the mistakes, the person that got it wrong, so hopefully we can get it right. We are going to learn from Jesus today. The one that like fought temptation just like we do, but he got it right. We're going to learn from someone that got it right, so hopefully we can get it right. So let's go right there. It's Luke chapter 4. If you're watching online, feel free to turn Luke chapter 4. And for those in the room, it's going to be right here on the screens as well. And here's how it starts. First verse. We're going to get a lot out of this first verse, by the way. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
Now, I, th- I think this, this phrase here at the end, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, I think this is so important to break down because so many times if we find ourselves in a valley or a wilderness or a struggle or a dry season, a tough time, sometimes we can be like, man, Satan brought me here. Satan, what do you do? Why did you take me to the wilderness? Or, or if you're like me, sometimes, like this is how it is for me, sometimes we can think, you know, I'm in this wilderness because I messed up or because God's mad at me. That's why I'm in this wilderness. Have you ever stopped to think when, when you're going through something difficult that maybe God led you or, or at least allowed you to get there because he loves you? and wants to show you something, and wants to build something in you, and wants to grow your faith, and you were just coasting along, like you were in cruise control, family was in cruise control, marriage was in cruise control, your faith was in cruise control, and God wants to use the wilderness to wake us up. Like, I I believe this about our God. Like, he always wants to use the wilderness to wake us up, if we'll allow him. And, and maybe you're in a personal wilderness today and, and, and maybe you felt guilty and depressed and ashamed and, and condemned even because you're like, it's my fault and I've made, I took a wrong turn, I made these bad decisions and, and maybe that is why you're in the wilderness. But even then, even if it's your own sin, your own mistake, even then God can redeem any wilderness into working in us for good. God can redeem any wilderness into a promised land. He'll always use the wilderness to wake us up. And you know, I, I think I've used this illustration probably half dozen times or so this year. This year has been a wilderness in many ways for all of us. And yes, there's been great things that have happened and God's worked in amazing, but it's been a wilderness. I've used that analogy a few times and we've been fighting through it. Like we're fighting through it. We've even been singing this song called Egypt, if you've been here. Like every other week it seems like we're just singing this anthem of God, we know you are stepping into our Egypt. You are leading us to a promised land. You have something better for us. We confess it. We know you're faithful even in times like this, God. And like I said, I always wanna see obstacles as opportunities. But that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth that yeah, this has been kind of a wilderness. And see, my opinion on this wilderness that we're in is the reason it feels so dry sometimes this year is because this year has come with a lot of uncertainty. That's the word. I I want you to think about this word for just a second. Uncertainty is one of the most difficult deserts to walk through. Did you know most people feel less stress in times of uncertainty, or less stress with bad news than in times of uncertainty? People feel less stress with bad news than with times of uncertainty. Because with bad news, I can at least figure out like what's wrong and get a plan for getting out of it, figure out like this is what I'm gonna do to attack this problem. Uncertainty just leaves us hanging. And, and by the way, if you think uncertainty ends Wednesday morning when you wake up, I'm not putting any money on that, right? Uncertainty is one of the hardest deserts to go through and most of us are in that wilderness together and I'll say it again, God will always use the wilderness to wake us up to grow us, to prepare us for what's next. That's what he was doing with Jesus, preparing him for that ministry he called him to, to develop our level of discipleship. God will use anything that we're going through for that purpose. Let me point out one more thing about the wilderness, because this connects so much, I think. Let's throw that verse back on the screen. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness. See, the only way we're gonna make it through a wilderness is following the way of Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit. 
We did a series in the spring of this year, and, and if this is your first time watching Revolution or in the room, like we, the series was called Open. It was back in like May or June. So we just spent three weeks talking about how to open our lives to be filled with the Spirit. So if you missed that, there's so much I could say here. Let me just share one thing that I think can really help us understand how powerful, how important it is to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, in Ephesians 5, there's this very interesting verse where Paul, uh, he, he speaks this to, he writes this to a church. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, here's the same phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Why does it use those two statements as contrast? Why those two statements? I mean, Paul could have said anything to contrast, like don't covet your neighbor's toys, instead be filled with the Spirit. Don't gossip about others, instead be filled with the Spirit. Don't watch Hallmark movies. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's after Halloween. You better be ready for the Hallmark jokes. Come on now. They're back. They're back. No, but the illustration is, the illustration is when we're drunk, we're not in control, and that's not a good thing. It leads to debauchery. Anybody ever been there? You won't have to raise your hand. Never mind. We saw that. Okay. When we're drunk, we're not in control. That's, a good, that's not a good thing, right? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we're not in control, and that's a very good thing, right? When we're filled with the Spirit, we're not in control, that's a good thing. Like when times are uncertain, he's our clarity. He's the one that shows us the way. He's the one that gives us the next steps when we can't even figure out what the next steps are. When we want to give up and give in, he says, no, you press on because I am strong when you are weak. We We need to be filled with the Spirit as we're going into a wilderness. So Jesus goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit. Let's add verse two. And for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. And here's temptation number one. So Satan comes to him and he says, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So so in Jesus' weakness, he's in the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days, by the way. In Jesus' weakness, but the Holy Spirit's strength, he defeats this temptation. Filled with the Spirit, he uses Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he uses Scripture to fight this temptation. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, we will use the sword of the Spirit to fight temptation. I I talked to someone this week that's going through a wilderness season, and, and they said, I've done 50 devotionals in the last 30 days. I'm like, that person's gonna make it through this wilderness because they understand that the weapon of the wilderness is the sword of the spirit. The weapon of the wilderness is the sword of the spirit. We use scripture, every single temptation, Jesus goes right to scripture, goes right to truth to fight it off. Man, when there's something, I didn't even say this in first service, if there's like a specific word that you could say, this is what I'm tempted with, this is what I'm struggling with, fear, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, find that verse, find those two verses that you are gonna quote, you're gonna get that sword out every single time that temptation comes, that thing comes against you. And here's the exact temptation. Here's how I would word this temptation that Satan brings to Jesus that he also brings to us. Satan tempts us to trust the physical over the Father. He's like, hey, turn turn this stone into some bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone. And so let me explain this. See, there's nothing morally wrong when we're hungry to eat some bread, right? Right? Nothing morally wrong with eating bread. There's nothing wrong with bread crumbs, bread sticks, 
bread loaves. I know it's supposed to be loaves of bread. Uh, I'm running out of bread items. Toast, there's nothing wrong with toast. Nothing wrong with bread, right? There's nothing innately wrong with turning a stone into bread. I mean, there's nothing innately wrong with this thing that Satan's telling him to do. I mean, actually, weeks after Jesus leaves the wilderness, he, he goes to a wedding, he turns some water into wine. I mean, if it's okay to turn water into wine, surely it's okay to turn stone into bread. It actually makes sense that Jesus should maybe do this, right? I mean, he's been fasting 40 days. That's about the limit of what a human body can take. Maybe he needs some honey buns about now, right? So why was this wrong? It was wrong because eating the bread would have been showing a lack of trust in his father. The the wilderness season was not over yet for Jesus. God had not released Jesus from the wilderness yet. And as important as the bread may be, because if Jesus doesn't eat some bread at some point, he will die, right? But trusting the father is more important. See, the wilderness always tests what or who we trust. The wilderness always tests what or who we trust. And and this year has brought that to the surface, right? This year has brought so many trust questions to the surface. Questions that are all there, they're stirring in us, but this year has brought them to the surface. For example, do we really trust our job or do we really trust our our, our God? Do we really trust the economy or do we really trust the provider? Do we really trust a politician or do we really trust the king? Do we really trust our own thinking or do we really trust what God says? What the sword of the spirit says? All that, I think that's come to the surface so much this year. It's tested that, right? How are we doing with trusting the father over the physical, over the tangible things around us? Let me ask a really tough one. And I'm asking myself this. Are you gonna have peace on Wednesday morning if you wake up and the candidates that you didn't vote for win? That was that, I knew that was coming and it's still convicting, right? I'll just let that settle. Let's go to the next temptation. You can have a piece about that. Anyway, next temptation down to verse five. It says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, sword of the spirit. And maybe you're thinking with this temptation, but it doesn't really make sense. Like Jesus is the son of God. I mean, like doesn't he already own everything? Isn't everything already his anyway? Well, actually, for a limited period of time, the Bible talks about how Satan has dominion over the earth. He's been given temporary authority over this fallen world. And if you want to look it up, 2 Corinthians 4.4, John 12.31, those would be a couple verses to check out. So this is a legitimate offer that the devil is making Jesus. But what's, what's the temptation? What's the tactic that our villain today is using? Here it is. Satan tempts us to choose painless over the process. Man, this one connected with me more than the other two. Satan's like, look, instead of having to deal with this human body and human existence and walking around the desert preaching and instead of picking 12 human disciples that are going to let you down time and time again, they're going to frustrate you so much. And instead of going God's way and going to the cross and suffering a crucifixion on a cross to save the world, why don't I just give you the world now? Instead of all that, I mean, that's going to be hard. That's going to be, just, just bow down right now and you can have it. Instead of going through all that to save the world, let me just give you the world. 
See, God always has his way, and it's usually a long process, usually way more difficult, usually has lots of pain, and Satan tempts us to choose the painless path. And, and Nate talked about this last week. He, he, he gave this, we have this choice of choo choosing the villain's path or the hero's path, and that path's way, way harder. The great news is, he shared this, God's fighting for us if we choose that path, but it's harder, it's painful. Uh, John Maxwell is a leadership expert. He's, he's written all these different books on leadership and does a podcast I listen to. And he has this phrase, and it's such a simple phrase, but I think we, we need to be reminded of this often. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile is uphill. And we know that, right? Like a great marriage, that's uphill. Spiritual maturity, that is uphill. Financial peace, that is uphill all the way. You know, respect as a leader, uphill. All these things, freedom from addiction, you know, living in freedom, that is uphill all the way. And he talks about this idea that our struggle is often we have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. We have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. And I think this is one of our spiritual enemy's tactics. One of this villain's tactics. He's okay with us hoping for uphill things as long as he can keep our habits moving us in a downward direction. So what are those areas of life where you're tempted to avoid the painful process, the uphill process? Because you know it's just gonna be too hard. I've got some ideas. Maybe it's counseling with your spouse. Maybe it's going to counseling yourself. Maybe it's starting some new health habits, living on a budget, spending daily quiet time with God every day, getting that sword of the spirit out as a discipline. Maybe it's being in community with real Jesus followers, authentic people that are gonna call things out in your life. They're gonna push you to move forward and, and when it's uncomfortable, you don't hit the eject button. That's a, this is a question for our life groups. What are those, those uphill hopes that you, that you just, you can't get there because you have these downhill habits leading you in a different direction where you're choosing the painless over the process. So that's the second temptation. Here's the final one. It says the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. So Satan's kind of twisting the sword here. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy chapter eight. Zorro, that was what that was, Zorro. Sword of the Spirit. Here's the final temptation. Satan tempts us to test God rather than trust God. And this is tricky sometimes. I mean, it seems simple, but I've given into this temptation and not even realized it till months later. Because if you think about it, Satan is tempting Jesus to back God into a corner. And be like, okay, God, hey, I'm your son, and uh, you, you promised all these things. You promised you'd protect me, and you'd send angels to, if I, if I you know, went and did something like risky, you'd send your angels to protect me, so I'm going to jump off this cliff. Save me, God. Here's the problem. If you go out on the ledge of a cliff and jump off, God will not save you unless he told you to go out on that ledge. 
Like if God says, I want you to go out on the ledge, and God says jump, which God does do sometimes. He, he, he gives us crazy assignments. He asks us to do things that are just totally ridiculous in our own thinking at times. And if God says to do that, get on the ledge and jump, you need to go cliff jumping. That's what you need to do. That's faith. Like faith is, is trusting God enough to do what he says. I'm gonna say that again. Faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. But if we operate like this, like, man, that, that, I would really like to do that for God. That sounds really cool. And so I'm going I'm to just go for it. Nobody's confirmed it, and I haven't read anything in Scripture, and I haven't heard any, the Holy Spirit speak or anything, but I'm just going to go for it and hope God saves me. Like, or, or, you know, God said all these things about protecting me, so I'm going to do this irrational, illogical thing financially or with my life or whatever. No, that's, that sounds a lot like the temptation of Satan, right? Satan always tries to take what God says and just twist it a little bit into what we want to think. God does not play that game. So Jesus goes, you know what? According to Deuteronomy chapter eight, it says do not test the Lord your God. We don't test God. God is the one that calls the plays and we trust him to do what he says. God tells us what to do, not the other way around. We are called to dream big and act bold. That's one of our values, but, but don't miss the step of, God, what's your dream? God, what's your bold action? Let's make sure the risk is God-ordained. And I've messed this up many times, personally, as a pastor, and I want to get better at this. I'm going to hand it back over to the band in just a second, but here's the final verse. So Jesus fights these three temptations that we face as well, and then it ends this little part of the story, and it says this. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I just want to speak to the Christ followers as we finish this. If you, are, if you are trying to serve Jesus and follow Jesus right now, to share Christ in your lifestyle and with your words, if you, are, if you are attempting to live more like Jesus in this crazy world we are living in, the devil is not sitting idly by hoping you will trip and fall into temptation. He is always prowling around looking for the next opportune time for you. He still exists, he still tempts in very similar ways to the story we just looked at. And that's why it is so vital, so important that we have that sword of the Spirit, that we are full of the Spirit, and that we understand these tactics so we can fight just like Jesus did. So we're going to stand together. We're going to sing some songs that I believe are going to give us some hope and strength as we go out into a battle this week. And I'm just going to pray over us. God, thank you so much for this series. We've learned a lot from those that got it wrong. And today we learn from you, the ultimate example, the one I want to get closer with every day. I want to follow a little bit more every day. I want to lead others to follow you a little bit more every day. And I mess it up time and time again. But God, this week, let me take another step in that direction. And I pray for my friends, give us power and strength to fight, that we would not give in. We would not cave, but we would get up. We would follow you. We would press on and empower us through this time we share together. Amen.